2: Welcome to week 17 of the Big East Barroom. We have made it through the Big East regular season. Happy March 6th to all those who celebrate.
1: Ryan, how excited is this? This is great. (laughs) Yeah, very excited. Um, And the best time of the year is coming up. This is March, officially. Uh, We had a great regular season. We have a ton to talk about, and we have a lot to look forward to. Yeah, Uh, We had an AP rankings come out this morning.
2: Marquette stayed at the 6. UConn jumped up to 11. Xavier jumped up to 15. And Creighton got back in there at 23. Interesting of note, and maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Providence did not get any votes outside of the top 25. Are you worrying about Providence's tournament chances?
1: I don't know. People... Oh, Providence, did. Providence got 26 votes. I'm sorry. People who know much more about this than I do say that Providence should be worried about their tournament chances. Do I personally think they should be? No, I think they should be in the tournament. But I, you know, this is not what I specialize in. So I'm not going to pretend like I know better.
2: If we had to say things that you specialize in, where would we start?
1: Uh, let's see. You're pretty, pretty intelligent with college basketball. I spend way too much time looking at the X's and O's of the Big East programs. Uh, I know most of UConn's playbook. And you're a pretty good cat, Father. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I would vote for that one as well. All right, right. So you, you have a mean thing to do today, correct? So what we're going to do,
1: we're going to go through all the teams in the order of teams you were most wrong about from the beginning of the season to now where we know they finished at the end of the season.
2: And people have been in my mentions because I have the biggest um, flop of all, which is why this is mean. So, do you want me to start? Do you want to start with who you were wrong about? No, no. I wouldn't want to
1: take that from you.
2: Well, I am going to start with the team that I picked last to finish in the Big East to the team that ended up winning the Big East. Um, I picked Marquette 11th. I was so wrong. I'm happily wrong because I've also got to interact with a lot of cool
1: fans. All right, so let's put two and a half on the clock. Let's talk Marquette Golden Eagles.
2: Marquette Golden Eagles played two games this week and they won two games this week. They officially clinched the crown of Big East regular season champion with their win against Butler. And then they played one of the weirder games of the year um, and they beat St. John's 96 to 94. You want to talk big picture, small picture? I mean, I'd like to
1: talk small picture. First, um, and Marquette gets the win over Butler 72 to 56. Uh, what, and what ended up being a really good game, um, but good for Marquette. And then the St. John's game, it is very strange, right? The, spe- uh, the ending was David
2: Jones hitting one legged threes, falling out of bounds, and um, they got to a point where if Omar Stanley hit a free throw, we were going to overtime in that game.
1: And <laughs> the big story. What did Tyler Kolick say to Omar Stanley in that moment?
2: I think he might have reminded Omar Stanley that he's a
1: 50% free throw shooter and he had already made the first one. Whatever it was, did you see uh, Daiwusu's reaction? No, I didn't. Begging for the technical on him, whatever he said. Well,
2: Kolick continues. Um, I think to, he kind of in the last um, few weeks solidified himself as player of the year. 21-10 um, and 10 against Butler in in clinch day. I mean, that is like... Not all eyes are on them or anything like that, but you know they were really you know a game that they wanted to win um, to make sure they could clinch. And then they he goes in um, against St. John's and he has 18 and 10, just two casual
1: double doubles from the Big East Player of the Year. Yeah, three games in a row with double-digit assists, um, like that doesn't happen a lot, and he's done it three times in a row, so that's pretty darn impressive.
2: Yeah, and uh, the good thing is marquette's gonna be on the two line in my opinion um they might be able to you know sneak or they're gonna people have them on three but i think that their resume speaks to a two. ken pom has him at 13th still with the eighth fourth best offense um this is all according to ken Palm. it's 68th best defense what's marquette's biggest worry going into the tournament and if i told you we couldn't say playing a really big guy
1: Going into the tournament, that yeah. their defense doesn't stand up. Um, that for some reason they have a bad defensive day, and the other team's just able to score really well on them. Um, that said, their defense has been pretty good recently. Yeah, it's been
2: much improved. And with a game manager like Colic like, you just can't like their floor is just high. Like they're not going to get bounced because they're unprepared. Right. Like they like if they lose, it's gonna be because the team
1: just executes better than them. Yeah, but do you remember when UNC came out and just rushed them yeah. last year. UNC made a national championship game though. There have I'll been go. seventeen games this year in the Big East with double digit assists. Tyler Cullock has three in a row. How many so Tyler
2: Cullock like how many times is on that list? He must be on it like eight times. Tristan Newton. That's exactly eight. Almost half of the all double-digit assist games. In the I'm playoffs. trying to think of like the other ones now. Newton has to be on there. Zach Fremantle had a triple-double. <laughs> um, So Newton's got to be on there twice because he has two triple-doubles. Yeah, Nemhard Spears a couple times, and huh. then
1: a lot of Tyler Kulik. A lot of Tyler Kulik.
2: All right, Ryan, who are you most wrong on
1: this year for the Big East? I'm going to say... You know, I actually did pretty darn good. Are you Not looking at nothing. your tiers? Yeah, I'm looking at my uh, week zero <laughs> predictions. <laughs> you you have Marquette in tier five too. To be clear, well, you already took them. So. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Georgetown. I thought Georgetown might be serviceable this year.
2: I did too. I had Georgetown. Um, if I'm looking at my original ranking, I had them at number nine, ahead of DePaul and Marquette. You had him in your uh, – a tier above DePaul.
1: Yeah, which was disrespectful to DePaul, and I apologize.
2: Georgetown <laughs> played one game this week. Georgetown lost by 40 this week.
1: Uh, I
2: don't want to talk about this game. I think we have to do bigger picture stuff with Georgetown. Um, Anything to add? I've, I've heard rumors, and bear with me, that the Ed Cooley stuff is real. I'm just saying – you, you have the disgusted look on your face, but I've heard that the interest is real. I'm not breaking anything. I'm just saying what I've heard from reliable sources. I want this on the record.
1: I don't believe it for a moment for a second of the day. Uh, Ed Cooley will not leave Providence. That is his dream job. Uh, uh, if I get this wrong, somebody clipped me saying that. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: for Georgetown, it'll
2: be the continue. The question will be who transfers and who leaves. Um, Send out Bryson Mazone the right way. He's the player without eligibility left. Um on Georgetown. Send him out the right way. Kind of been uh, you know, kind of the heart of that team in certain times. Um But the Uinair is done. Chances Kudus Wahat. no, one more game. No, the Uinair is done. Oh, you don't he, think he coaches in no, the biggest tournament? Yeah, he he will. I mean he will, but he doesn't coach anyway, so who cares? Chances Primo Spears comes back for next year. If Ed Cooley comes comes, hundred percent. When Ed Cooley doesn't come, though, if let's just say that things were they bring in a, just an uh, average coach or whatever, not Patino, not Cooley, I'd say 25% chance Primo Spears stays. What would you say?
1: Yeah, I think you're probably about right.
2: It's not fair that your team that you messed up the most on you, we only had to talk for a
1: minute and not we had to talk two and a half on Yeah. <laughs> Well, the team you uh, got the most wrong won the regular season championship.
2: All right. I'm willing to say that the team that I was second most wrong on, and I don't love this, Ry, I had Nova coming in second in the Big East. Not me. Not me. Again, you had Nova in tier three. And everybody got all worked up about it, but listen. You had them with Providence and Seton Hall. Eh, that's kind of where they... They finished kind of with Providence, Seton Hall maybe a tier below. What's that Collinworth commercial? No matter how many times I'm right, you still
1: want to argue.
2: Villanova played two games this week. Villanova won one game. They lost to UConn at home, and they beat Seton Hall on the road. Uh, I, I think that the UConn game says more about UConn than Villanova, so I wanted to start with that.
1: Yeah, I think that UConn's playing really well right now. I also, and we talked about this, I think that UConn matches up really well with Villanova because what Villanova loves to do is post up their guards, take advantage of an undersized point guard. Um, UConn doesn't have that. UConn doesn't have undersized guards. Their guards are long and they're good defenders. Tristan Newton, you know, Moore took Tristan Newton into the paint repeatedly. Tristan Newton held up pretty darn well.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that they needed to win this game and then go to the finals of the Big East championship if they were going to get in as an at-large team. I think the only way for them forward is a um, Big East tournament to be hoisting the trophy. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. And especially because we know the tournament committee doesn't pay much attention to the – Basketball. Basketball. (laughs) But also to the uh, results in these conference championships. So their only path forward at this point is the automatic qualifier.
2: And what I had said along is I didn't think they had a chance to make the tournament. So what they needed to do was to get right, to get healthy and to start looking like them. I mean, Justin Moore has come back and he's completely proved me wrong. He scored 23 points against Seton Hall in that one. He just looks like
1: his old self again most of the time. Yeah, Justin Moore is is fantastic. And he is almost as good of a defender as he is an offensive player. And that doesn't get any credit. But just when you see him lined up against some of these other point guards, he's so much bigger, so much stronger, so much longer. Um, He's really one of the premier defensive point guards in the conference as well.
2: And I think Cam Whitmore is playing his best basketball of the season. Um, He's kind of looks like he's the maturity has really changed. Like he's really fully there. Um, You don't see him hoisting any, you know, interesting shots anymore. 19 points against um, Seton Hall. He scored 17 against you or
1: 14 against UConn. Making way less mistakes defensively and offensively. Um, and all the, the, the plus side stuff is still there, right? He's a great rebounder. He's a great disruptor on defense because of his size and length. He, his ability to get downhill. Like, that's all still there, and he's not making the mistakes, the freshman mistakes he was making earlier in the year. Yeah. He, the things that you can't teach him are still there, and now the things that he has
2: learned have are showing up. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: it, he was an, he's an 18-year-old guy. Yeah.
2: How many teams in the Big East tournament would you give – would you say have a better chance – of winning it than, than Villanova,
1: Three.
2: Xavier, Yukon, Marquette? Yep.
1: Yep. And Providence is just, well, we'll get into Providence. Um, but they're having been a. Hard time.
2: I'm free, fallen. Right. Who are you next? Were you most wrong on at the beginning of the year? I think I'd go
1: Butler here. Uh, again, another team that I thought could have been middle of the pack, potential at large team that really fell off towards at uh, the end of the season, and just it never came to came all together.
2: Butler played two games this week. Butler lost two games this week. They lost to Xavier, 78-66, and they lost to Marquette when the day Marquette clenched, 56-72. to I think you're right. I mean, I don't have a whole lot on Butler. Their individual players can
1: be, you know, extremely talented at times. So um, Manny Bates gets injured in the Xavier game. The poor kid can't catch a break. Well, he's not—he's you know a grown man, but he can't catch a break. Um, he's been injured. He, you know, he had to leave North Carolina State because he was injured. He comes to uh, Butler. He's injured for part of the year. Now he's going to finish the year injured. So he can't catch a break. The Bulldogs can't catch a break. Just because I did this the other day, the good thing I guess you'd say is
2: Butler is one of the only teams that has only one player who has no eligibility left. Um, so maybe another year, and that is Eric Hunter Jr. Um, you know, maybe another year with Thad Mata. I believe in Thad Mata. but I don't know. it's it's not clicking right now and it doesn't it's not even like pretty basketball to watch.
1: No no, they let a, they got out running a little bit against Xavier for a while, made a whole comeback, took the lead after being down like fifteen points. and they that was one of the best they've looked in a long time, but they play too slow and too mediocre on both sides of the ball to you know, really be a good college basketball team. All right. Ry, right. the team that
2: I was most wrong on after this. <clears throat> um, I was pretty good on a lot of these, actually. I'm going to go with the Johnnies. I had the Johnnies pick fifth in the conference because I believed in Andre Carvello. What I didn't remember is that they also have Mike Anderson.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of my big takeaways from this year when making predictions is you can't – you can never underestimate the importance of coaching in college basketball. I,
2: I think that's very fair.
1: I think co- it is the sport where coaching is most important of any major sport that, you know, Americans follow. And is Smart proved that. I mean, right. that's that's what you're referencing, too.
2: And so. Sean Miller proved it. Yeah. You know, look at the difference. But that Mada didn't. So that's – anyways, Johnny's um, made that game really close at the end um, with Marquette, the one they lost. Do you want to talk about – Dylan Day, Wusu's step forward. Do you want to talk about the missed free throw by Omar Stanley? No, I, know I mean Omar Stanley
1: had a really good game. Uh, it's not fair to to blame him when he was a large part of the reason they were in the game at the end. There, yeah, you know, you hate to see him miss that foul shot, but you can't let him take anything personal.
2: Yeah, um, they went. They're going to be playing Butler in the first round of the Big East tournament. Um. How many games does Mike Anderson have to win to save his job? Biggest
1: tournament. Do you think he saves his job if they win the biggest tournament? Yes, probably. Especially because the buyout's so large. I don't think that they're gonna pay it after he's won the biggest tournament and then take him to the NCAA. Um. All right, <clears throat> Ryan. Next team that you were most wrong on. All right. At this point, you know, these are teams I was pretty darn close on, but I'm gonna say Creighton here. I had Creighton as the number one team as you know my pick preseason to win the conference that didn't quite come to fruition they are the number three seed is that correct yeah uh, Creighton came in as the three seed yes okay so let's put two and a half on a clock talk about Creighton blue Jays.
2: Creighton had their Georgetown DePaul week this week um they won Great by, week. they beat they beat Georgetown by 40 and then they beat um DePaul by 14. DePaul continues to be a tier of Georgetown. Uh, They locked up that three seed, which I thought was important for them. They didn't want to be in that 4-5 game. I mean, nobody wants to be in that 4-5 game, and I thought it was important for them to get that three seed. Yeah,
1: Creighton had been about a month ago, month and a half. They were the hottest team in the Big East. Yes. They go into the amp. They lose double overtime. Ranked teams go to die. And, um, you know, they have struggled since. This is finally their get-right week but you're playing the two worst teams in the conference.
2: Yeah. I mean, you had – what do you take away? You scored 99 points against um, Georgetown. Trey Alexander – Here, there's a catch-22 with Trey Alexander right now because that kid is playing so well that he might go to the NBA because of how well he's playing.
1: I have a sneaking suspicion he will be in the NBA next year.
2: It- three and d guy i mean the kid is one of the better shooters and he can go off he scored 25 and 21 points in these two games
1: and it's not the first time we've watched him just you know he's like a nuclear bomb yeah. when he goes off he goes off
2: yeah um and cockbrenner continued cockbrenner one player of the year which earned defensive player of the year which we'll talk about later um yeah you look at their lineup and you say if the start if you get enough from the starting five you're going to win every game
1: Yeah, 84 points and 99 points, like that's going to win pretty much every game, especially in the Big East tournament where defenses will kind of lock down, try to muddy stuff up. Um, The question is, can they do that in the Big East tournament? Yeah. I mean, Ryan
2: Kalkbrenner scares me against bigs that are – I've told you this. He's going to be probably facing Eric Dixon in that second round. Um, Eric Dixon just had
1: 31 points on pick and pop, and – kind of dismantled Creighton's defense. Does I know we have a preview show coming out a little later in the week, but something to think about, does McDermott change the defense so that Clockbrenner is on Dixon?
0: No,
2: No, and the only reason I say no is because look at what McDermott did last year. Even when Isaiah Whaley hit four threes, he said, if we lose by that, we lose by that. Um, it seems like what McDermott believes in his system, and he's not going to change it just because of one guy had a career day. Listen, Eric Dixon's that dude, though. So, like, I, it's not just a guy having a career day. He he can knock those down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so you think Creighton – Creighton, what rank would you give Creighton for winning the Big East Tournament? One, two, or three? Because you said they were one of the three teams. I'm sorry. Let's phrase a little differently. What chance does Creighton have? Like, what uh,
1: rank would you give them? That's the same way I phrased it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got them as the third highest likelihood to win the Big East Tournament. The odds makers, I think, have them the second highest. Um, no, I believe it's Marquette. They're tied with Marquette. I think they're
2: both plus. I think UConn has the highest according to the, the odds best makers. Odds. Yes, yeah.
1: correct. That is not my opinion. That would be the odds makers. Mm, it's my opinion.
2: All right, so we're gonna talk about the team I was next on, and I'll say I was a little bit off. I had UConn coming in third, and they ended up at fourth which is weird because I'd
1: still say this is a su- successful season for UConn. <laughs> two and a half? Yeah, put two and a half on the clock. Your UConn Huskies go 2-0 and o this week. They blow the barn doors off of DePaul Blue Demons in their final home game of the year, and then they go into Philadelphia, and they get the season sweep on your Villanova Wildcats. Ty, what did you see?
2: Uh, I was in the building for the UConn-DePaul game. That was an absolute blitz. They went up 27-2 to at one point. I believe they were up 48. 40- two to eight at one point I mean that was a um they didn't miss and it looked like DePaul was kind of not interested in playing defense um the Villanova game I mean I think what we've been saying is we want to see replicable game plans from Yukon and you've been really hammering this the DePaul game kind of reminded me of the Marquette game I know different scales but Marquette Yukon just came out and shot the lights out any team in the country is going to be any team in the country when you shoot like that. But the Villanova game, UConn absolutely, you know, they went to war. Um, they shot, what, 44% from the game. I mean, that's that kind of stuff is replicable. They were, you know, they got 38 rebounds, and they out-rebounded Villanova by 7. That kind of stuff is replicable for UConn. They played good defense. That's replicable for UConn. That's the kind of stuff that makes me think that, They're really – this might be the best we've seen UConn this year, and that's even including the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, I do. I agree with you. This looked like a game that was not a fluke. This looked like something they could go out there and do every time because what was it built on? It was built on defense. And you can go play defense. You know, there's no shots aren't falling on a day for defense. You can go out and play the same level of defense every time you're on the floor. And they played really good defense against Villanova. Andre Jackson was fantastic. He was everywhere. Um, he had seven rebounds, five assists, and ten points, and a few blocks. Uh, when he's playing like that, like he's such an X factor, he changes every aspect of the game. It was a really nice win for UConn.
2: Andre Jackson, you have took the words out of my mouth. The, he's scored double digits three straight games. He's playing the best basketball of his UConn career. Um, he's really got into the. He, you know, he's shooting the open threes that he, you know, when he's open. Um, but he's not forcing it. It doesn't, you know, it looked like people were in his head for a little bit this season, you know, that back and so far off of him. He now just looks like every time he wants to attack and be a playmaker. Andre Jackson changes this team from a second weekend team to a Final Four team. Um, and I, I truly believe UConn ceiling is still the Final Four. And the way they're playing... It would be kind of a disappointment if they don't get to that
1: second weekend. You would have liked to see them put together put it all together earlier in the season. Is it concerning to me that you only have a few games, you know, where they've looked really good in a row? Yes, but they're trending up at the right time. They did put it together at the beginning of the season. They lost it in the middle of the season. Yes. Yeah, but you <laughs> would have liked to see them put it back together earlier, yeah. right?
2: All right, right. Who is the team that you were next most wrong on? Um, I'm gonna say
1: I was dead on with Providence. Were you? Yeah, because I had them. um, How many teams were you dead on with? A few. I'm pretty good. Uh, (laughs) I had Providence right in the tier below Xavier and UConn. um, And with Villanova, I think that's about where they finished.
2: Yeah, I mean, the conversation with Providence is a much bigger one. They, you know, they lost this week twice, once to Xavier. and a, and a game that really scared me, but a game that scared me even more is senior day. They lost at the AMP um, by 24
1: to Seton Hall. Um, you, what do you want to talk? What are we talking about here? My top note here on my notepad is I'm officially concerned. <laughs> Going into the Big East tournament after they lost by 24? Last week when we had this conversation, we said we're not concerned, right? When uh, Providence went to UConn yes, and got correct. beat pretty bad. But now I'm concerned. They went 15-0 and 0 at home for the first 15 games. They will go 0-2 in the last two games. That was my stat, and you decided to take it. It was my stat. You can look on my Twitter, and you'll find it. But I told you I was going to take it. <laughs> Anyhow, um, The de- and it's all defense, right? And yeah. then this is what Ed Cooley said after the game. He said, we haven't guarded anybody in two weeks. It started at UConn. We're not playing defense, and that's what my team is built on. Um, it's – it, it's bad. It's really, it's really
2: ugly. And to get into X's and O's, what they're doing is they're putting Devin Carter on the best player, and Devin Carter's shutting down that player pretty much. And then what happened in the Xavier game is Devin Carter go to guards Colby Jones. Suli Boom goes off for thirty-three points in like the first thirty minutes of that game. So they put finally put Devin Carter on Suli Boom. Colby Jones goes off for twenty-nine points in that game. You have two players that are elite at defense and the other 3 right now are not cutting it or the I don't want to just say the other 3
1: aren't cutting it but it can't just be Devin Carter and Ed Cross. Yeah, and then you get into situations where Devin Carter is trying to do too much. You see him gambling and making mistakes and and listen, you never have to question his intensity and his effort like you are right now with some of the other guys. But um but Carter, he, you know, at some point he's doing he's trying to do too much and he's trying to put the whole team on his back and, and that leads to Bad places as well. Uh,
2: there is the right medicine for them, UConn. Here is that the their rivalry game against a team
1: they don't like. Is that gonna kind of hit them back into shape? Their right medicine right now is getting together and deciding how bad do we want it because they can do it. We've seen them do it. They beat the best teams in the conference. Right? They beat Marquette. They beat Creighton. They can win if they. If they play hard. And you're not concerned at all about their tournament chances? Again, I think they should be in the NCAA tournament, but other people are saying they, they are on the bubble, and I don't know any better.
2: All right, right. We got, I think, two more teams to talk about. You want to talk about – which one of them do you want to talk about? The Pirates or the – Blue Demons
1: or the Blue Demons? You want to talk some DePaul? Yeah, let Blue I had DePaul
2: at number – Nine and they ended up at 10.
1: Yeah, I was dead on. I had them at the bottom. Um,
2: DePaul played two games this week, and DePaul lost two games this week. They lost to UConn, and then they lost to Creighton. Um, they put up kind of a fight against Creighton, which was nice to see. It was senior day. They have a lot of players graduating, um, you know, their last home game in Chicago. You know, DePaul, I think, was trending in the right direction. I am now – I'm call me very skeptical about where they are. This is year three of Stubblefield. And things are not improving very much.
1: I believe it's only year two of Tony Stubblefield. You're going to look that up now. Yeah. Um, But I do agree that this is really ugly, and it's not getting better um, throughout the season, which is what you want to. Year two. Year two of Stubblefield. Um, Did you read the AD's tweet thread? No. What do you say about how this isn't acceptable and this isn't who we want to be? But you know, we think we have the right pieces, and I, I like their AD.
2: He's very accountable for everything that's going on um, and very vocal. They're 150th right now in uh, Ken Palm. That is a front of LSU, though, who is 13 and 18. Um, but th- that's in backup teams like Long Beach State and the Air Force. Um, that I don't know if I need to see a year three of Stubblefield. And I, and I,
1: that's coming from someone who really likes Stubblefield. But like, at the same time, you can't play musical chairs with the no. coaching seat repeatedly. But right?
2: we've, we've seen that what a coach a new coach can do. For a program, look at Sean Miller, look at Chaka Smart. I mean, these are tangible results in the Big East that have happened. I hear you. All right. All right, right. that means that the last team we have to do is the Seton Hall Pirates, which I had nailed at number seven.
1: So yep, I guess that's I, my best one. I had them, you know, about sixth, seventh in the conference. That's just about right. I think we did a pretty good job.
2: Yeah, Seton Hall ends up this week
1: um, winning
2: um, against Providence and losing against Villanova. What game said more about them? the Providence game or the Villanova game?
1: They played pretty well against Villanova. They team. did? It they- was right there. They were very tough. They hit a bunch of shots, which has been obviously their Achilles heel yeah. all year is the actual scoring part of basketball. Uh, You're out for blood today. <laughs> their defense is excellent and nobody questions their toughness. Um, so that was, they they played really well there and then they played, obviously excellently against providence and they kind of manhandled them
2: uh best game of their year probably i mean really kind of the momentum they need to go for a uh, big east tournament run i i was really impressed by Femeo odakali in this game with 19 points eight assists um or five assists eight reb- rebounds four steals I thought he was incredibly good in controlling the game, especially without Kadari Richmond. He kind of played a de facto point guard, which I didn't have in my book coming into the year. Um, I think the this, this Seton Hall team is deep. I think the Seton Hall team is tough. I think that this Seton Hall team has a lot of players that can score 10 to 12 points a night, like a Dre Davis, like a Tay Davis, like a Jameer Harris, Samuel, Dawes, Nadefo, and Odakali. And if they get Kadari uh, Richmond back, this is a team that I think can make some noise in the Big East tournament, especially because they're going – I don't want to say this disrespectfully, but they kind of get that warm-up game against DePaul, and they're going to, you know, get going a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Drake Davis was fantastic. He had 24 points. Uh, nailed – I mean, he missed one shot. He he shot 9 of 10. Um, I don't know. I But part of me says I think this game said more about Providence and Seton Hall. Uh, I mean, when is Seton Hall –
2: Seton Hall shot 62% for the game. I mean, yeah. that's that's stuff you don't really uh, really see in a Seton Hall game. But they've played games in the 40s this year.
1: Right. They um, scored 82 points. Yeah,
2: they really – on senior day at the Amp, and they led the whole game. They didn't – this was not a – they went on a run. They led
1: wire to wire pretty much. Yeah, they were just the tougher team, the better team. They played defense like they wanted to be there. It was a <laughs> – Really solid performance for the uh, Seahaw Pirates.
2: Okay, Big East fans. We need to take time to shout out the best sponsor for our first year, Dia Designs. They are your go-to place for custom mugs, custom shirts, custom hats, custom hoodies, jerseys. You have to order through them. Go through their website. Go through anything that we have um, in their bios. Locally, family store. The Absolute best,
1: they're the best in the business. Any custom apparel that you want, you want to get your squad looking right, you want to get the crew rolling together in the same shirts, same hats. Go to DMR Designs, contact them, and they'll put it all together for you.
2: And we couldn't be happier to have worked with a you know, a sponsor in our first year of doing this. So, you guys have shown us love all year. Go show them some love. DMR Designs on Instagram, DMR Designs on our bio, DMR Designs on the web. You know what to do. Double D. All right, Big East fans. We thought who better to talk about Xavier's 2-0 and o week than Sule Boom. Sule Boom, you played Providence and went absolutely off. 33 points, 11 of 19. You hit four threes. The amp isn't an easy place to play. How did you guys psych up for a game like that?
0: Oh uh, man, we know it was a very, very big game. We lost we lost we lost a tough one at Marquette on the road. So we knew that we wanted to come. I feel like that loss it got us really ready for this. We came in with the right mindset. Um uh, the dudes we was fired up. We came out for the jump and we was we was on business and we just came ready to play. Our defense was tight. We was we was connected and um uh, we went up there and got it done.
1: And you guys you gave Providence their first loss at home. You beat UConn at Gamble in you know a pretty crazy environment. What is it about the Xavier
0: team that makes them so good on the road in hostile environments? I mean, those. I feel like we, I feel like again. I feel like we was battle tested early through the year because for one of our first road games was at UC, and that game probably was one of the loudest games that we've been in, and. um I feel like we just we got we got older guys on our team and we, we battle tested, um, and we live for those moments. And me being one of the leaders and you know, vocal guys on the team, I tell our guys all the time like like let's go! Like we we live for these moments. I feel like road games are m- more fun than home games, to be honest, because like everybody's against you, and they want to see you fail. And it's like it's it's nothing better than than hushing the crowd and and leaving with a victory. So, I mean, I feel like on a road we be locked in. We come out, we come out ready, and we just. We try to we just try to steal one on the road all the time.
2: And that dribble handoff with uh you you against Providence, how many times was that gonna work before they
1: stopped it?
0: Man, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but it it was working and uh yeah. <laughs> now is that something you're calling or is that something Miller's calling? I mean, that's just all that's just that's just all you know within our offense. You know what I'm saying? Like, see, like people can't like how how our offense is, it's like Everything is not a set play. So it's like a team think they could be guarding something, but there's always a, a counter to something. So that's why that's why our offense has been at the top um, throughout throughout this whole year because it's like there's so many ways we can hurt teams inside out, duck-ins, uh, duck draw. This is so much. This is so much. And it's like teams can't really guard everything, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, but they do go to
1: zone about – Late in the first half and early into the second half, and they slowed you guys down a little bit. What, what are you thinking?
0: I feel like every team does that to us. Like when we go on runs, when we get hot, like they go to a zone because they can't guard us. It's like UConn did that. We played at UConn's. Like all, the, all these teams, they do that all the time. Like when we get hot, but um, it definitely kind of throws our rhythm off. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, but a lot of that times we get great looks. Like we get great looks. Um, we just we just wasn't converting all the time, but um that happens to a lot, but I feel like we're a good enough team. And then once we get once we get one, we see one, and we start going we start getting them going in the zone, it's like we can break that zone up. I feel like teams can't really zone us because we can shoot, we got dudes that can drive, dudes that can score in the paint, so it's like I feel like no team should be zoning us. And once we score one and two, it's like they get out of that too.
1: And so one of the big uh debates on Providence you know fans right now is whether or not you guys had broken down the zone so let me get your take when they went away from zone did you feel like it's because you
0: were comfortable at that point I feel like in the beginning in the in the first when they start going in the first half late first half like we wasn't we wasn't we was getting great looks we just wasn't converting like we had layups we had lobs putbacks. like we just ain't finished then the second half like we we were scoring like we we just watched film on that today like we, we were scoring on that zone like they stayed in it they didn't they didn't have a chance with that and they had to go back so like you you
2: kind of went off your th- you have 33 points and i was i rewatched this game later and it seemed like you had them all in the first 30 minutes like you went off for those yeah. then colby jones gets 29 points is there are you challenging each other in the huddle like you got to get to
0: 30 now too, Colby. Like, what are you doing? I was <laughs> uh, like, yeah, cole that's my boy, man. Uh, it's like, even when I was going off in the first half, he, 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 he keep coming up to me telling him, like, keep going. So they can't guard you. Like, they can't guard you. And then, so it's like second half, I'm, I'm, I'm hot. I'm still hot. I'm hitting a couple of shots and, and I do the same thing. You know, like we uplift each other when he hit a shot or he get an n one drive, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm right there with him. I'm like, let's go They like, not messing with you, like, let's keep going, like, let's keep going. So, it's, like, stuff like that, we just feed off each other, fuel each other up, and, you know, I feel like when we get in that mode, it's it's, it's tough for a lot of opposing teams. And
1: it looks so effortless for the both of you. Like, you really weren't forcing shots. You know, it really was in the
0: in the rhythm of the offense. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not how we play, you know. Cove I like that. I'm not like that. So, I feel like it. it all a lot of times it looks effortless because, you know what I'm saying, we don't really – Forced issues a lot, and we don't got to because we got so many good players around us. It's like we just, we just, we just all try to share the ball and let it let it let it flow.
2: And then you play, you go to move on to Butler, your last game of the season. Was it emotional at all knowing that this is your last game of college basketball or last regular season game? You have a lot more college basketball. Let me be clear, your fans. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot more. But was it emotional at all knowing that was your last game at the Centa Center?
0: Yeah, it was definitely an emotional experience. Uh I love playing the SENTIS, uh my last regular season home game there. Um, it felt good. Um, I had a and I UTEP, so I wasn't I wasn't too emotional because I kind of went through that experience kind of already, but um being in a new spot, uh meeting a lot of new people, I know how much the fan base appreciate me. They was telling me throughout the whole day pretty much, and I just got appreciation for them um this whole university. So it was definitely um a warm, a warm welcome and goodbye. Um, uh, but uh, it was it was a great it was a great day. It was a great day, and we won, so it was no better no better send off. And this was a bit of a revenge game for you guys, uh, game yeah.
1: even with Butler. Now yeah. I know after the Butler game, Miller uh, Coach Miller spoke about their switching defense and how much trouble that had given you. How did yeah. you guys attack it in this game to have more success?
0: Yeah, in the first game, we kind of like uh, we just playing kind of. Like slow with their, with their with their switches. Like when we come off, it was like because a lot of teams they don't really switch us. So when they were switching us, we were kind of playing slow, like we were in mud. We wasn't moving with that pace like we normally did. In this game, like we made an emphasis, like we gonna we like we don't care if they switching. Like we gonna still have our pace and that we normally play with. Um, they sent a lot of guys back. They sent a lot of guys back in transition. Um. Stuff so we just try to play with that place when we got in the half court when we got in the, on fast brace and all that so that's that was an emphasis and I feel like that really was the difference in this game and why we won you know I feel like we made more free throws we feel like we, the 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 we would have won by much more
1: and and no crazy calls at the end of the game
0: yeah no goaltenders no goaltender calls
2: man I, I was gonna ask that wasn't a goaltend right yeah, no
0: <laughs> no. But we didn't get. We didn't get back on defense. Our Our, our defense. It wasn't even transition. We didn't get back. We that again. We learned from that too. Um, we wasn't all bad. Coach ripped us about that. It was. It, it was. That was. That was. That was a tough film session the next day. But um, yeah. That was not a go ten though.
1: What's the uh? What's the prediction for the Savior team? Regular season's over. How far are you going?
0: <laughs> How far are we going? What in the biggest tournament of March Madness? Oh. Man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to the championship game. I'm trying to win it. We trying to win the championship game, for sure. And I feel like, um, I feel like with Fremantle going down and us weathering that storm, weathering that battle, um, being tested in tough environments. I feel like, I feel like we know what we we capable of, and I feel like we know the job can still get done. It's gonna be tougher, but I I think that we know the job can still get done. And and March Madness is special. It's my first March Madness. Um, it's a lot of guys on our team. Most, mostly everybody, besides AK, um, we trying to we trying to go all the way. We trying to do something special that's never been done here before. So we trying to we trying to go all the way, man.
1: Love
2: that,
0: Sule. What a pleasure it is to have
1: you on, listeners. Make sure you check out the full length interview so you can hear the lightning round coming up next.
2: All right, what an awesome interview by Sule Boom. Who did get decorated with some awards, Ryan? Let's talk some of our awards now. Let's give out some awards. Big East first team. We just found out that we had the exact same Big East first team. Yeah, that's a preparation we do. We just found it out right before we hit record here. So, do you want to name your most obvious to least
1: obvious Big East first team on our? Biggie's I'm gonna team. I'm gonna give I'm gonna say uh, my player on my first team and a quick why they need to be on your first two. Okay. I got Tyler Kolick on my first team. He leads the conference in assists. He's the best player on the best team. You can't leave him off.
2: Player of the year. Deserves to be on the first team list, and he was on the Big East first team list.
1: Then I got Bryce Hopkins. He uh, had one of the most dominant periods in the Big East during early Big East play. He had a 20-20 and game, 20 rebounds. Um, He has like 10 games with 20-plus points absolute offensive monster you have to have him on your list
2: um nba player
1: deserves to be on every list uh probably
2: second for player of the year if we get to see that voting
1: then i have sule boom for xavier shooting like 42 percent from three on one of the highest volumes of anybody in the conference he is the best player on the second best team um although kobe jones is darn close and he's also very good but yeah I think Sule Boom uh, has to get the out here.
2: Sule Boom is a clear um, on the list for me. He competed kind of all year with Kolek, four player of the year. He didn't fall off, but Kolek kind of just pulled away.
1: I agree. Um, Ryan Caulkbrenner from Creighton is your defensive player of the year. I also have him on the first team because the person who affects defense the most is one of the five, six best players.
2: Ryan Kochbrenner was on the list. Some of his defense this year wasn't as good as last year, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean that he isn't um, a first-teamer. He's just set a bar really high.
1: I think that's fair. Then I have Joel Soriano, who the biggest coaches have chosen not to put on the first team. I think that's a mistake. He is first in the conference in rebounds. He leads the second person by three rebounds a game. He averages 11-something. The next highest person is 8-something. I mean, he is one of the most dominant players. He's the best offensive rebounder, best defensive rebounder, and he's one of the best rebounders in the country. I think he should be on here.
2: And Soriano did win most improved player for the Big East, which is – so he will go on with some hardware. But I agree I had Joel Soriano on there. They did put Adamas Tanogo on there instead, and I don't think I can say enough nice things about Adamas Tanogo either. Um, He went 18-8 and for an entire season. He was absolutely dominant at times, was the best player on the best team at certain times. So I think Adama Sunogo deserves the recognition, but I also wish that Soriano was getting it.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm not casting stones at anybody and saying they should be taken off. I'm just saying who I think should be on. And then my sixth is Jordan Hawkins from UConn, who down the stretch has been one of the best players in the conference. He's a lottery pick. He has like 12 games with 20 plus points he's one of the leading scorers in the conference i don't think you can leave him off uh, jordan hawkins absolutely belongs
2: on this list uh, and again he could say for a part of the year he was the best player on the best team at certain points um the second team was announced we won't go through our second team so i'll just read them colby jones of xavier friend of the pod joel soriano who we had on the first team got downgraded to the second team Oso Iguodaro, which is really nice to see from Marquette, and they also got Cam Jones on. And friend of the pod, Eric Dixon, was on the Big East second team. Anybody you thought deserved to be on that second team that wasn't?
1: Yeah, I had Devin Carter on there. Um, I think Devin Carter is a second teamer because of the level of defense he plays in addition to his offense. He's one of the top two-way players in the conference. Uh, but as usual, defense is undervalued when you're giving out awards, and so I, that's probably why he's not on there.
2: Uh, Trey Alexander deserves some love, too. He was on the honorable mention. He was fantastic at certain points. Um, Might have been the best scorer at certain points of the season. So
1: Yeah, I've got Trey Alexander as one of my honorable mentions. I also had Zach Fremantle. I know. Oh, I know. That crushes me. He ended up not getting an award because of the injury, but uh, he was playing at a level where he would have
2: gotten an award if he didn't get hurt. All right, Ryan, we haven't got our Player of the Year and Freshman of the Year yet. I believe that comes out tomorrow, but let's go through our awards and crown people the way that uh, they deserve to be crowned on the Biggie's East Bar Room, right? Your Player of the Year is? Mr. Tyler Kolak. I agree. Do you have a second? Are you going Hopkins or Boom?
1: I think that they're both right there. I think I don't have to decide between them because I have Kolek as my one.
2: I had Boom as my two and Hopkins as my three, even before Sule was nice enough to interview with us.
1: Yeah, but Tyler Kolek, I mean, you just can't say enough about him. He leads the conference in assists by a whole bunch. He's on pace to have one of the 10 best assist seasons in the history of the Big East. Like, we're not talking in the last 10 years. No, like since the 80s, he will have one of the top assist numbers. Um, he's been fantastic. Best
2: player on the best team, having the best season.
1: Yeah. Uh, coach of the year, still has not
2: been announced, but your coach of the year is? Mr. Shaka Smart. You have a second? I have Shaka Smart as well. We're, it's kind of not fun when we just agree on everything. Yeah, we didn't do this on purpose. Uh, do you have a second? You going Sean or you going Ed? i
1: would probably go Miller.
2: I went Ed. Um, until their recent slide, I guess the recent slide might make me reevaluate. It's hard having a team of transfers every year. Um, I'm not quite sure how Ed is going to continue to do it if that's the path. But he got a lot out of them, and they're a tournament team probably. Um,
1: defensive player of the year, we disagree on. I've got Ryan Cockburner in the end. Um, he's the best defender on the best defense in the Big East. You don't have to take my word for that. Ken Palm has – Creighton has as the best defense in the Big East. Ryan Cockburner allows them to play defense the way they do. I do agree with Tyler that perhaps he had a better defensive year last year than this year, but he was still the best defender in the conference.
2: Give me Devin Carter.
1: The way that Devin Carter affects perimeter
2: players who are generally higher scorers, um, his ability to rack up steals and blocks. I think that Devin Carter had one of the better seasons um, defensively that we've seen, and he is hell on wheels, and he's going to be... For You know, if he decides to stay for the next two years at Providence,
1: I love me some Devin Carter and there's nothing wrong with that pick freshman of the year. I don't think we agree on as well. Or do we? I've got Cam Whitmore in the end. I think Alex Carabin. it, It was right there. I think him and Cam Whitmore are right there. They're very close. I got Whitmore in the end. I think that he came into his own down the stretch. He's playing the best basketball of the season. Um, And I think that, you know, this stretch has been good enough to put him over the top.
2: I had Carabin. I thought Carabin was an impact player from day one on a winning team. Um, He came in and, you know, was an automatic three-point shooter. He also hit his stride defensively towards the end of the year. Um, And a little bit, you know, he got a little... I don't know how to say this in a normal terminology, but got a little hair on his chest. He kind of like grew up a little bit in the Big East. Um, And I'm really... Cam Whitmore might be the most talented, but Alex Carabin, for my money, was the best freshman of the year. Um, both of them made all freshman first team as well. Both of them were unanimous, correct? Yes, I think they too. And I believe Carabin might have more players of the week. Obviously, you can't judge it on that. Yep. Then, um, or freshman of the week than Mr. Um, Cam Whitmore. Ride, this one was announced. Your sixth man of the year and my sixth man of the year, I believe, are the same.
1: I've got Jerome Hunter. And and I do, too. out of your mind if you didn't pick Jerome Hunter.
2: I'm a little confused. I'm wondering if Jerome Hunter slotting into the starting lineup hurt him. Um, And they kind of said, well, he's not really a sixth man. But that's silly because he was such a good sixth man that he could insert into the starting lineup. Um, This is nothing against David Joplin.
1: No, David Joplin's a very solid player, and he's going to be – Really difficult to deal with a man that size that can shoot like he can.
2: Yeah, and he's gonna be a dominant. But Jerome Hunter, what he did, he filled he was the right puzzle piece for that team all year. Um, and I think he was more instrumental to this team than um, Joplin. Yeah, right. Um and I had Klingon third. But does that, that
1: wrap up our awards for the year? Anything else you want to give
2: out? Um, we could talk about most improved player. I, you know, if we were gonna I think some people made you made an interesting point today on Twitter. Some people were saying Jordan Hawkins because he went from a five-point game scorer to a lottery pick, and you have a counter to that.
1: I like the idea of giving it to upperclassmen who work on their game and who, you know, you are supposed to take a leap in your sophomore year. That's why it's called the sophomore leap. You know, going from a freshman to a sophomore, there's an expectation that your stats will increase. Whereas going from a junior to a senior, there's no guarantee that you're going to see the improvement that Joel Soriano did. So I like the idea that you give the award as an appreciation and acknowledgement of all the work he put in.
2: And it's a slippery slope, right, if you give it to the players who are freshmen to sophomore, because then Bryce Hopkins is in the conversation, yep. Tyler Colick's in the conversation, because these guys went from role players, not playing at Kentucky for Hopkins, to being you know, superstars. Soriano, I think you're right. The jump wasn't expected as much, and he became an absolute force this year. Um, there was – you want to give out the sportsmanship award? <laughs> oh i don't oh i didn't have that prepared no i was kidding caleb daniels did win that for Villanova, though I'm good for him um and then there was there's going to be more awards announced tomorrow i believe so maybe when you're listening to this they've already come out
1: yeah we'll have the player of the year the coach of the year the freshman
2: year i'm excited to see all right big East fans thank you so much for watching us and listening to us this entire season um i guess we'll have more of a sappy post eventually um but this is our last regular season, and you got to make sure you catch our Big East tournament preview episode with a ton of special guests coming up um, in the next day or so.
1: It's been a fantastic ride. We've had a ton of fun. And Marquette fans, stick around to hear me sing your fight song coming up next. Bring out a Hoya with an Rara. Emurara, ra ra ra, ring out a hoy with an emurara. Emurara for old Marquette Ring out a hoy with an emurara. Emurara, emurara, ra ra ra, ring out a hoy with an emurara. Emurara for old Marquette Go, go, go.